Turn in your Bibles with me or go there on your app, whatever your platform this morning, to Luke chapter 10. And while you're going there, while you've kind of marked your place there, uh, if you don't know where Luke 10 is in your Bible, but you brought your Bible, that's awesome. Uh, you know, neighbors, just help your friend get there. Uh, there's, there's no shame in that. I didn't read the Bible until I was 20. I'm turning 30 this year. And so, um, you know, I've only been reading the Bible 10 years. So I know what it's like to, to get a Bible and go, man, I have no idea where Luke is. Um, I didn't learn any of those cool songs uh, that many of you learned as a kid. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know any of those, and, so, and I still don't know them. But uh, many of you got jelly beans. Hopefully all of you got jelly beans. Go ahead and hold your jelly beans up. And kind of see you guys in the back. There we go. Yeah, I can see a little better than I thought I would. Okay, good. I can see the, the, the sheen off the bag. It's good. All right, so, um, yeah, so anyone want to guess how many jelly beans are in this bag? How many of you that are, <laughs> did someone say 2,000? That's, oh, 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 gotcha. Yes, 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 two does. I was like, 2,000. Man, that would be awesome if I could fit 2,000 in here. I would be a magician, I think. Um, yeah, two dozen. There, there are 24 jelly beans in your bag. And you guys are probably already catching on. We're talking this morning about the time barrier in the Art of Neighboring series. We're talking about this thing called time. We're talking about the fact that all of us, go and hold your bag up again, all of us have the same amount of hours in the day. We all have 24, okay? You should have 24. I'm sorry if you don't. I might have miscounted a couple times after the 120th bag, but um, hopefully you have 24 there. I want you to go and take eight out. Just go ahead and take eight of these uh, puppies out, and I'm going to try to do that with you while I'm talking to the mic, and it looks like this in case you're wondering uh, what that looks like, all right? So go and take eight out. I'm not going to count because that would take forever, and I was never good at math anyway, but you, but you count because you're sitting there in your seat. And go ahead and take eight out, and you can eat these. You can, uh, you can give them to your neighbor if you don't like them. If you're a germaphobe, you know, just put them back in the bag and just pretend they're not there. Um, but uh, these are, and by the way, we did have clean hands, and we packed these bags. So you don't have to be scared to eat them. It's not like we, you know, hired kids wiping boogers everywhere to, like, put these in the bags. All right, so, so these are clean uh, when we put them in there. But anyway, take your eight jelly beans. This is sleep, and you can go ahead and munch on these a little bit. Um, ideally, you're sleeping eight hours. Now, how many of you, just by, by a show of hands, how many of you sleep less than eight hours a night? Just go ahead. Me too, all right? <laughs> um, I found my sweet spots around six. I, I feel nice and rested if I, do, if I do six hours, which will give you two more jelly beans to, uh, to dedicate somewhere else. All right, so you've got eight for sleep. Now, take out uh, eight, eight more. Go ahead. Go ahead and take out eight more. Go ahead and reach in there. You've got eight more. This is work or school, okay? So if you're a full-time student, you got a full-time, how many of you work full-time? Just, just raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of you, good. How many of you go to, go to school full-time? Okay, so between the two of you, we got about three-quarters of the room. You're working full-time. You're going. So it looks like from about you know, eight hours of sleep and eight hours of work in school, about two-thirds of your day has already been decided for you, like, like you've already spent 16 jelly beans in those areas. So how many do we have left? Mathematicians in the room, help me out. Eight. So we have eight jelly beans, and we got to use them somewhere else. Now, let me share something with you. Take five more of the eight you have left. Take five more, okay? And you can eat these the whole time I'm talking. That's totally cool. That's totally accepted. You don't have to save any of them that you don't want to. Take five of them and just kind of hold them in your hand and look at them. This is the average amount of time relative to a day, about five hours a day. It's up. Uh, I think 125% from 2014, but uh, so a lot. Five hours a day, average time on a smartphone from, from uh, adults in America today. Five hours, that's up from 
think like two point something in 2014. It's crazy. I was, I was reading this research this week. It was just mind-boggling. Three jelly beans, if you just look at three, that's about the average that people spend on Netflix per day. How many of you have Netflix? Yeah, me too, all right? Um, man, just some of those shows, when, once you watch the first episodes, like you're stuck and you just you get sucked into this vortex of entertainment. Now, those are just two things I shared. So that's, that's eight more Skittles. On average, and before you know it, we're, I was sorry, not Skittles. I was going to use Skittles, and then I ended up just deciding to get something way better, Starburst jelly beans. And so we're, yeah, thank you. Uh, so, we're, so we're already out of jelly beans, and we haven't even gotten to things like eating, which you usually spend about an, an hour to hour and a half of each of your day eating, depending on what you're doing. This doesn't include multitasking. I know some of you like, you know, brainiacs in the room, you're like, what about multitasking? What about using your phone? Why? You know, no, it doesn't include that. But, I, but the point is this morning, if I may, the point is we all start with the same amount, but it goes quick. And we need to be super intentional about how we're using our time. And my goal this morning, as Robbie said so well last week, you know, our goal during this series is not to guilt you, is not to say, you know, man, you're doing such a bad job and, you know, you leave here just going, man, I really stink at, you know, how I'm using my time. And that, that's what you leave with. Um, I think you'll leave here really encouraged today that the Lord uh, calls our time, you know, valuable. And the Bible talks a lot about time. And let me just tell you what uh, William Penn said about time before I talk about what the Lord said. William Penn, how many of you guys know who he is? He's the guy that founded what? Yeah, how about that on your resume? Yeah, I started Pennsylvania. It's no big deal. It's whatever. Pennsylvania. It's, it's in my name. So William Penn says this about time. He says, time is what we want most, but what we use the worst. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty deep. How we spend our time, this is the big idea this morning. I want you to write this down. If you're a note taker like me, uh, it, help, it really helps me pay attention, so I encourage you to take notes. Um, write this down this morning. This is what I don't want you to miss. How we spend our time, how we spend our time tells the story of our treasure. I'll read it one more time. How we spend our time tells the story of our treasure because you can tell by the way that you use those jelly beans and where those go in your life that will tell the story of what you treasure just think about what you spend the most time doing because time is more valuable than money amen it's crazy this this lady was stopping me in walmart i was i was walking on that back aisle you know between like the food and like the um you know the other end and you got to traverse that part by the entertainment and all the tvs on sale and stuff and this lady this xfinity lady like, is like, um, you know, she's like really aggressive. You know, she's trying to sell some Xfinity subscriptions. You guys know what Xfinity is, right? Like internet and TV bundle and stuff. And so she's like, sir, 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 do you, do you have time to talk about uh, Xfinity? I'm like, oh, I have Xfinity already. She's like, okay, good, good, good. Well, I can, I can save you loads of money. You gotta, you gotta stop. Hey, and I just like kept on walking. I was just kind of looking at her. I was like, I don't have time. And she said, you don't have time to save money? And I turned back to her and I said, ma'am, time is more valuable than money. I got to go. And I left. And that's so true, isn't it? Time is the most precious gift. Sometimes a meeting canceled is like the biggest blessing to your day, right? It's like, oh, I have time. You know, it's like I have time to do something. I didn't think that I was going to get done. And for those of you that have kids like me, I have two kids and one on the way. We're about to have a baby in like three and a half weeks. So we're excited. It's our third. By the way, if you ever move, thank you. If you ever move to a big city and tell people you have three kids, they think that you're crazy. So, yeah. 
having three kids in Atlanta is like having eight kids here, okay? I mean, it just, it just is. And if you have eight kids, I don't think you're crazy. Just want to clear that up. But, um, but what I'm trying to say is I know how you feel because people look at us like we have eight heads when we tell them we're having three kids. And so anyway, those of you that have kids, you know that time goes quick because kids – uh, they take up your time, and they're worth it, aren't they? They're so cute, but they just, um, man, they just do. And so time is precious. It tells the story of our treasure. And I just want to give us uh, four stages, if you will, four, four steps to take uh, to honor the Lord with our time. So four steps this morning to help us honor God and love our neighbors when it comes to time. So let's jump right into it, all right? We've, we've done lots of praying and worshiping. I just want to jump right into the first point here, so write this down. The first step, the first action step is let's what? Is it up on the screen yet? Let's repent. Yes, let's repent. Ooh, that's a scary R, you know, church where we're going to unpack that in a second. The right posture. Let's repent. The first step is having the right posture. Now, I know that word can be a little uh, misleading sometimes in churches. Uh, Jesus used it a lot, by the way. It's like the first thing he says in the Gospels. Like Jesus, so, you know, we think, well, you know, those people telling people to repent, you know, they're judgmental. It's like, well, Jesus says the first word, you know, that we have from him in the Gospel, repent for the kingdom is at hand. And so it's, it's a great word to embrace because not only is it required to be a Christian, I mean, we have to repent of a life centered around us and embrace a life centered around Jesus and have faith in him. But repentance means you were going this way, but then you did a 180 and now you're going this way. It means a change of heart, literally. Like if you look at the word itself and, and the biblical languages, it's a change of heart, a change of mind, which is why Jesus says the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's, it's got repentance wrapped up in it. You can't do that if you haven't repented of your old life. And so the first step in the art of neighboring and really, and really uh, even doing it, period, is repenting of uh, maybe a poor attitude, maybe a lack of uh, understanding in some areas. And I want to start with me because I want to tell you guys, this was the most convicting book. Like when I first read this book last fall, when we first moved to Decatur, we knew that this was kind of right up our alley, what we wanted to do as Robbie was explaining it. And as I read this book, I'm telling you guys, nobody's more convicted than me as I was reading through this book. Because when I was in Greenwood, you know, we lived here for five and a half years, and we bought a house uh, over uh, off of uh, Laurel Avenue, and we live right over there, kind of kind of near where you guys were meeting for a little while. We're just right around the corner. And uh, guys, I was like the worst neighbor ever. I mean, I would I would work 40 or 50 hours a week. Uh, I did uh, youth ministry and worship ministry at South Main, right up the road, and um, I would come home exhausted. And I could not get, I mean, like, my, my goal when I got out of my car was how quick can I get inside the door of my house without talking to anybody, without looking at anybody. And my, my neighbors were out and about, um, but I did, I mean, I am, like, the worst example of, of, of what this is. And so I just want to tell you, like, me preaching this message this morning is even just so, so humbling because I have been there. I have, I have been... Uh, pretty much all my life until this season. It shouldn't have taken church planning to even get me there, but I have been a really bad neighbor. 
have not loved my neighbor as myself. Now, I know we, you know, Robbie talked about this a little bit last week. How do we define our neighbor? Well, your neighbor is more than just the person that lives next to you. Jesus meant, you know, if you see a guy lying in a ditch and he looks like he's in trouble, you should go help him, okay? Um, if, if someone is uh, in need, you should serve them. Even those inside the body of Christ, we should go and help. And so it's more than just literally the people that live next door to you, but it does not exclude them. And that's the problem is that we've overgeneralized our neighbors. Say, well, who's my neighbor? Like the guy in, in Luke 10 asked. And we go, well, my neighbor is everyone. Everyone's my neighbor. And so when you overgeneralize who your neighbor is, then you end up just kind of doing a shallow job of loving, you know, because the definition is too big. But what about the people that live? What about the guy that takes his trash out that, that you say hey to or, or that you do that weird thing with your mouth? Guys, you know it. Come on. We, d- we do this sort of thing. We go. We do this weird thing with our mouth. I've kind of noticed it. It's really like we do like a like a quick head nod, like the I dream a genie thing, you know, where she does a little thing. And like guys, you know, we'll do this little personal lips, you know, like that. I don't I don't know what it is. I still haven't figured it out. It's kind of an ADD moment. But anyway, that was about the extent of my communication with my neighbors. One of my neighbors, while while I was living in Greenwood, even across the street, um, lost her husband. She had recently become uh, a widow and had kids there and everything. And I think about how terrible of a job I did living right across the street and ministering to that family. I mean, I still deeply regret it. I, w- I wish I could go back in time and do a better job. But the Lord gave me so many opportunities to uh, bless. You know, there was this other guy across the street, and he would just, like, he just seemed kind of angry all the time. He was just, like, always yelling at his dogs and, like, spitting, kicking. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. It, w- it was just, it, w- it was kind of strange, but, like, I never went over and talked to him. Never, and, and I know sometimes, you know, people are less approachable than others, but still, that's no, that's no excuse. I had every opportunity in the world to talk to this guy, to show him the love of Christ, to share the gospel with him. Never took those opportunities. Let me tell you, having put the art of neighboring into practice for the past six months, um, my perspective has changed on all that we're talking about. Uh, God has been working in my life. I have so m- I have way more stories than I could possibly have time to share with you this morning. And I've got to get through these four steps. But just but just know this: I have been there. I have literally done nothing regarding to 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 the art of neighboring. And I'll tell you the difference of just imploring uh, in installing these steps into your life that we're talking about this morning and what Robbie was talking about last week, just with the motive behind everything, is just truly life-changing, truly life-changing. You know, it's interesting for something so important. This is something that, um, you know, I've never really prioritized until recently. And so I'm right there with you. If you're, if you're like me, you know, then, man, it's just nice to know uh, that you're in the room as well. Um, it's always seemed like bonus points for overachieving Christians, hasn't it? You know, like, you know, people like really, you know, know their neighbors. And we live in a fear culture now due to, due to all that's going on. That's actually what one chapter of the book's about. It's about being scared of our neighbors. And we see something kind of weird going down. Like, you know, there's some sketch stuff, probably two or three houses down. I can think of like in my neighborhood. And we were just like, man, what's going on over there? And you know what actually I would do? I would gossip about my neighbors instead of ministering to them. And this is super convicting as I was preparing for this. I, I mean, I had to do a lot of repenting as I was just thinking about this. So I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. Um, but let me, let me get on to the art of the start and stop. Everybody say start and stop. It starts with genuine repentance over a lofty resolution. And we just got out of the resolution, um, you know, time with January. It's genuine repentance. It's a heart that says, God, I'm sorry for the way that I've treated this in the past. Now help me learn. Help me experience the blessing of the art of neighboring. 
And so let's get into Luke 10. Let's, let's get into verse 38 here. This is the, uh, the account of Mary and Martha and Jesus. And verse 38 says this, as, as they were traveling along, as Jesus and his disciples, this is right after the Good Samaritan passage, and there's a reason why it's at the end of Luke 10. Luke was so methodical in how he structured his gospel. As they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named who? Martha welcomed him into her home. Welcome, Jesus. Come on in. I'm going to get to uh, cooking, and, I, and you make yourself comfortable, and we're going to have a meal because, you know, I was really big in this culture. And Martha got busy doing what she uh, knew how to do. She knew how to host people. How many of you people, and uh, I can see almost all of you, actually. My, my eyes have adjusted. How many of you uh, love to host people in your home? Raise your hand. So you might resonate with Martha. Wow, that's, that's a lot more people than I was expecting. You know, that's awesome. And this is one of the best ways. I mean, just throw parties for, for your neighborhood. It's amazing. We, we've done that a few times in Decatur. And let me be honest with you guys. We, we've had some weird people show up. I mean, just straight up, some weird people out there. But, man, God um, is really helping me love people who I have very little in common with. And it's like, Lord, do I only love people who are like me? Yeah, I think sometimes that's, that's, that's how I function, and that's wrong. And again, that's why we have to start with repentance. And so, in verse 38, again, Martha welcomes him in. And then she had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. Mary had the right idea. Mary had the posture of what would be common in Jesus' day for someone to do, to sit at the feet of a rabbi and listen to teaching. And, you know, Jesus was always concerned first with the heart rather than the hands. Jesus was always first concerned about motive over just merely what someone was doing, the why over the what. See, the what gives you the instructions, but the why gives you the power current to accomplish it and to be steadfast and keep it going. This is why resolutions fail so often, because you get obsessed with the what. I mean, this is what I want to do, but the why hasn't taken root in your heart yet. And the why of neighboring has got to be there. And why is it? Because of love. Beg God for a supernatural love that doesn't make sense sometimes to love people different from you and to love people all the way to your front door to where you would even trust someone to come to your home that you don't even know. And guys, I know, you know, the day and age we live in, I know that sometimes, guys, I'll be honest, the art of neighboring is a little unsafe. I had someone from uh, Dunwoody, it's a northern uh, burb of Atlanta. She's like the, the mayor of, you know, I don't, you know, I'll just, just call her the mayor because that's how she you know, was acting. But she was like the mayor of like the neighborhood association. She came, she's like, do you realize how unsafe this is? And, you know, we, we were just having, like, a family movie night. We were showing Charlie Brown in our driveway on a 16-foot blow-up screen with popcorn and cider and just had it all set up and stuff, just invited the neighbor, mass call. You know, hey, everybody come to our driveway and watch Charlie Brown. It, it was so much fun. She's like, do you realize how unsafe this is? I mean, like, someone could literally just walk r- in right now and just, you know, take your TV, you know, while, while you're out here watching this movie. And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess that could happen. You know, I mean, I guess it could. A lot, a lot of things could happen. I just don't think God wants us to live our life in fear while we're serving him. I think there's a lot of things to be sober about, and there's a difference between naivety uh, you know, and certainly wisdom. But at the same time, we're not going to not serve our neighbors be, you know, just out of a culture of fear. So let me just encourage you guys with that. But again, the motive keeps you going. And the right posture is essential to accomplishing God's will in our lives. See, Mary had a beautiful posture of humility. 
She placed herself under the Lord's word, yielding completely to his lordship. And lordship is that piece of faith and following Christ where it says, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Whatever it is. And we tend to to gravitate towards, Jesus, you're my savior. I'm so glad you've forgiven me of sin. I'm so glad I can have peace in my heart and be forgiven and find grace with God and favor with God. But then this whole lordship thing, it's like, oh, Oh, but I have to do that? Okay. Um, you know, this is a rich young ruler's problem. It's like, Lord, I've kept all these things. Well, go sell all your stuff then. That's the one thing he wouldn't repent of, it seems. But see, if we spent one Skittle a day or a jelly bean, whichever you prefer, <laughs> one jelly bean a day seeking the face of God, just imagine how that would make a difference in your life. Maybe uh, m- maybe you're a podcaster. Maybe you love to listen to to worship music, or maybe you, you know, you're engaged in God's word right now, and you're absorbing lots of scripture. Whatever you need to do to sit at the feet of Jesus every day, that's where it starts. That's the proper posture, and some of it is just that. Some of the art of neighboring is just posture. Check it out. Posturing yourself in a ready position to speak to neighbors, have them in your home, pray for them, and help them. Raise your hand if you have a dog. Your dog is the possibly the biggest ministry tool you have unless you have kids yes dogs and kids I have had more gospel conversations in my neighborhood and just meeting people just on a basic level through dogs and kids it is crazy it it happened again a couple days ago and it really helps if you have a cute dog Uh, so I would you know like your your dogs either got to be like super ugly or super cute in the in the middle they they kind of get lost so it's like you know super ugly it's like oh what is wrong? You know, like, oh, he's, he's like cute because you said, so, you know, it's anyway, I won't, I won't name breeds as to offend anybody. Um, but, but there are certain breeds that lend themselves to go, poor thing, what's wrong? You know, they just, but these conversations start guys. And, and we've ended up, you know, going to, you know, started with the dog and we ended up going to Jesus. Man, it was fantastic. God gave us those opportunities. He gives you those opportunities if you'll posture yourself to look for him. So don't forget how we spend our time tells the story of our treasure. Stage two, stage two, write this down. And we're going to fly through this one. This one's pretty easy. Slow down. Slow down. It's all about being at the right pace. And let's look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. Ooh, slow down, Martha. I mean, she's giving Jesus the business. I mean, she is like, I mean, she is fired up. And we're going to talk about what distractions do to us. But here's a question for you. And here's a question that I begin to ask myself. I'll actually phrase it that way. Am I living, this is a question I ask myself every day, am I living my life at a pace where I'm open to opportunities for God to use me with my neighbors? Am I living at a pace where I can even do it? And if you're not in control of your calendar, if you haven't been intentionally doing this, your answer is probably no. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I think the thought is, okay, I've got to figure out a way that I can cram more stuff into my already busy schedule, and this just already seems hopeless from the start. But no, I want to encourage you and invite you, think about your schedule, think about what you do, and where do you intersect with your neighbors naturally? Do you walk your dog, or do you just let them out in the backyard? What if you actually began to walk your dog and look for opportunities to talk to your neighbor? Man, it's one, it's one of the hardest things. 
you know, just to get in a habit of these new things. But there are many ways that we can just create opportunities. I mean, just from walking my dog, it's not, it's not my favorite thing to do in the world, by the way, because my dog does not know how to be walked. Like, he's just like, he stops and sniffs everything. He just, he is a sniffer, not a walker. He just stops and sniffs, and he'll sit there for 10 minutes. But that's helped me be able to talk to people. So, again, this isn't something that I just, you know, man, I just love to walk my dog. I'm just going to go do it. No, this is something that I'm leveraging so that I will have impact in my neighborhood. And think about last week with the Good Samaritan. Think about all he did for that man that was banged up and hurt. Think about how much time that cost the Good Samaritan to care for him, take him to an inn, come back to pay to check on him. You know, you know how much time he probably used? At least one of these. A day caring for this man, by the way, that he didn't even know. Might have been unsafe. It's definitely unsafe. He's on an unsafe road. And on top of that, this man had never done anything for him. And that's called agape love. It's the love of God. We love because he loved us first, right? First John. Let's get back to Mary and Martha. In, Luke's ten, in Luke 10, see, Mary, uh, excuse me, Martha's distracted. And we can be distracted sometimes by good things. See, Martha wasn't, see, there's some commentaries, there's some different things about Martha that really paint her in a negative light. And, and there, are, there are some things to be desired for Martha, you know, namely in her attitude. But she's doing the right thing. She's, she's preparing this meal, and that was culturally acceptable. And so these weren't evil things she was doing. The, the Greek word for here, actually uh, distracted, perispio, actually means to be dragged away. She was being dragged away by the distractions. What's dragging you away? What's dragging you away when it comes to neighboring? What things in your schedule and in your life are just eating your lunch right now when it comes to the art of neighboring, when it comes to making time for other people? It's interesting, uh, a calendar. Everybody's got their different options. I, I use uh, iCal on my phone, you know, on my Mac. And my, me and my wife share a few different calendars so we communicate well, hopefully. And, um, you know, a calendar is a tool to use for the kingdom. Did you know that? And it pays to be in charge of your calendar and not to be a slave to your calendar. And that's when, when I began to change that in my life. See, my calendar for the longest time, for years and years and years, was a tyrant to my life. And told me what to do. Barking at me, saying, nope, you got this, you got this, you got this. But you're, you're in charge of your calendar, and I'm in charge of my calendar. And I would encourage you to own that. To not be dragged away by even good things. And I would invite you to actually do this. Two words. Choose better. Choose what's better. Because that's what we see in this passage. We see Mary choosing what's better. Martha was distracted by good things, but Mary chose what was better. We can get caught up in doing what's natural instead of better. Maybe it's a bad habit, or maybe it's just a, um, a you know, just not the best. And so choose better, choose best. Distractions even cause us to question. Get this in the passage, remember? Lord, don't you even care? Distractions pull us away from what? Number one, repentance, the heart of God, the right posture. Distractions just dismantle us. One thing I've been praying for a lot, I'll just share with you something personal. I've been praying this year a, a few different things, just a few different prayers. One of them is, Lord, rid my life of hurry. Rid my life of hurry. Help me live my life at a pace where I can help someone if I can. Um, and 
God has shown up in huge ways, guys. He's put people in my path. He's, he's given me these opportunities to do things. I mean, it's crazy. Like, if, if you pray that kind of thing, like, Lord, please give me these opportunities. Like, man, he just floods your world with all these opportunities. But half the time, it's these distractions that cause us to question the Lord instead of listen to the Lord. Hence the phrase, don't you care? That I'm doing this and I'm doing this. Man, these distractions completely get our attitude off game. The, uh, the book, The Art of Neighboring, if you've gotten into it at all, the book actually talks about this. There's this quote from the book that I want to share before we move on. It says that love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time. And time is the one thing hurried people don't have. Love always takes time. And time is the one thing hurried people don't have. Man, that, that, that just socked me right between the eyes right there. And I began to repent. And I began to... Uh, Assume a better posture and slow down and get the right pace. Can we can we throw that picture up on the screen uh, that I that I had? I think it's my only picture for the whole, for the whole sermon. And it's this. What is what is this? Yeah, it's in a, it's in a car. It's on your dashboard. This is your RPM meter. This tells you how many revolutions per minute the engine is going. Okay, I'm not a car guy. I'm not even going to try to get fancy here. But that's just that's just the basics of what it is. And see, we live our life kind of to gauge like this too. And it's actually terrible for your car to stay up in that area from what little I know. <laughs> and it's really terrible to be way over there in the red. But, you know, we tend to live our life in the red. And sometimes, you know, what the Lord has really shown me through his word and just through experience is the place where I hear God and I see him moving and I experience his presence in my life and, and see these opportunities and able to respond to them and just watch him move and just really uh, begin to get this art of neighboring thing, it's more so over here. And so maybe, maybe your next step this week is just go, man, well, how can I slow down my RPMs, not only to be humble and spend time with the Lord, but also to begin to uh, really prioritize people in my life, to love my neighbors, myself. Lord, rid my life of hurry so I can serve you better. Number three is this, devote time. And that's the right plan. I like devote time because I think sometimes, you know, you can Google this uh, easily on your own. You can Google time management hacks all day. Do this, it'll save you time. Da, 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 da. That's not really what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about devoting time. Because remember, time reveals treasure and so this, we're talking about devoting time. We're talking about building segments of your day. Can I just say something? Some, some of you may be tuned out right now because this is really, uh, this just seems impossible for you. Maybe you work nights. Maybe you do other kinds of shift work. Maybe you work 12 hours a day and you're just like, I literally don't understand how this is going to happen. Guys, if you're spending lots of time at work, your neighbors are at work. Okay, I'm not saying you have to like throw parties at 11 p.m. because you got home from you know work at nine and you have to stay up till four and like any, anything crazy like that. I'm talking about like your situation may be a little bit different, but you've got to find out what works for you. That's why this is the art of neighboring and not the science of neighboring. This is the art of neighboring. It looks a little different for everybody. The point is to prioritize our time and, pe and, and make time for people in whatever way you can. But Jesus calls out Martha's main issues here in verse 41. Let's just take a look at that. The Lord answered to her and said, Martha, Martha, you are 
worried and you're bothered about so many things. And these words are really interested, uh, really interesting to get into. Just worried and bothered. Bothered doesn't really cover it. If you if you really dig deep into what that word means, this is like so angry that I'm like blind with anger. Have you ever heard of anybody seeing red? Yeah. This is like she she can't even see number one. She can't even see the need to repent because of this, the distractions that have brought her to a place of just blind anger. Here's the truth, guys. If we don't create time and space to love our, to love our neighbors as ourselves, it will never happen. This is not something we do passively. This is something that we do intentionally. Weaving love thy neighbor into the fabric of your existing patterns versus creating new patterns altogether. This is, this is the goal for some of you this morning. Figure out what you're already doing and how you can posture yourself in what you're already doing to love your neighbor. That's, that's been gold for me. It's not, it's not all about, again, it's not all about cramming new stuff in your schedule. Sometimes you just find out what you're already doing and how you can posture yourself in a better way, in a more missional way. But this is where we really want to land, and it's number four, and it's being faithful. Stage four is be faithful, and that's the right purpose. That's really what I want you to leave with today. This is the most encouraging time in this message because at the end of the day, faithfulness is the key. God has given you, he has entrusted to you neighbors, whether at home, whether at work, whether it's at school, college students, it's a month. Y'all have, I, I weep at my college years and just how I wasted potential influence with people. Wasted so much time, wasted so much, uh, I mean, just any resource you can think of. And so you have so much opportunity. College students, I really want to encourage you to embrace this. If you live in a dorm, if you live in an apartment, you have people right next to you. You see them go into their door. Invite them over for dinner. Invite them over to hang. Can I, can I tell you something? The art of neighboring is awkward sometimes. It's awkward. It's awkward for extroverts like me. It's still awkward. I still get nervous walking up to somebody's door for the first time. I get nervous they're going to think I'm a salesman and just like slam the door in my face <laughs> or think I'm a creeper or something like that. By the way, that map, did you guys got? Did you, did you guys get the map to put on your fridge? Put it on the side of your fridge around the corner. <laughs> you don't want to be able to walk into your house and see their name uh, marked with a square, you know. You know, we, we thought about that when we began because, you know, we printed this out and did, did, did the same thing. And I can just tell you, man, God, is, God has helped us fill in those blocks. And that's part of the faithfulness. It's part of the faithfulness. It's an issue of stewardship. Have you guys ever heard that word before? Stewardship. It's being faithful with what you have, with what God's given you. Creating the time and space to be faithful. Creating the time and space to humbly ask God to provide and move. And you know what? He will because he's faithful. And it's interesting that we don't usually make time decisions based on elimination, on cutting stuff out. We just do the things that are truly important to us. And so at the end of the day, it really is a hard issue of just asking, is this really important to me? And if it is, what am I going to do about it? It's not a guilt trip. It's a sobering truth that requires action. And maybe this morning... You're like me and just need to assume, again, a posture of repentance and just go, God, help me see the blind spots. Help me see the potential opportunities to truly be a great neighbor. 
Again, it's an art, not a formula. Be faithful. Ask God to make valuable and to be able to prioritize what is a priority to him. God, help us make your priorities our priorities. Amen. Give us your heart in your eyes. Give us the ability to to mimic your faithfulness. That's the whole reason why we're talking about faithfulness, because he was faithful first, and he sent his son. We seek faithfulness because he perfects it. He is faithful, and he will be faithful to provide you all that you need, no matter your personality type, no matter your experience, no matter your fears. He will provide you everything. He will teach you what to say in those moments. Let's invest in people, church. Let's invest in others that are different than us. And let's leverage those commonalities that we have with certain people. Maybe your kids play on a sports team in here. Maybe you've got that. Maybe you spend a lot of time at the ball field. That's great. Leverage that for the gospel. It's the art of neighboring. After Hurricane Irma, a lot of the yards in our neighborhood were just, gar- I mean, just stuff was everywhere. And I discovered in, in that time that God will oftentimes use those tragedies to be able to bless people in your neighborhood. So after an ice storm, after a hurricane, after a tropical storm, walk your dog and see whose yard is the, you know, just been hit the worst and offer to help them. It starts small, guys. You'd be surprised. It's just like these jelly beans, just so small, just seems, seems like something normal, like, man, that's not really going to make a big difference. It will. Start small. Let's seek to be faithful because he was faithful first. He sent his son for us who is worthy of praise this morning. He's worthy of our repentance. He's worthy of our faith. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, hey, uh, this neighboring thing sounds, sounds great and everything, but... I think I, I need to get right with God first before I do any of that, and I think that would be great if that's you. Maybe there's some other things that you need to bring to the Lord this morning in repentance, and you need to just trust him with your life. There are people to help you do that this morning. This church cares about you. This church cares about people. That's why I love Robbie and his whole team. You guys are amazing because you really value people here. It's not only in your signs, but it's in what you say. It's in what you do. It's beautiful and awesome. Lord, thank you. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for coming in perfect faithfulness. Thank you that you're a perfect, faithful high priest that we can trust in. You've been tempted as we were, yet without sin. You are awesome. You are now exalted, high and lifted up. Lord, help us. Help us love people like you love people. Help us prioritize people with our time. And while we're doing it, help us have fun doing the things of the Father. Help us, help our true food to be the will of him that created everyone and him that gave everything. Help us build our life on your love so that others around us can come to know you and so others around us can see your love in action. Lord, help the church be a vehicle for your love this day and age. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.